0: we always get the last second of conversation in this thing. All right. Welcome. Welcome to the season finale, regular season finale of uh No, no, no. no, no. This is
1: This is the season premiere, man. This is the okay. first first show of
0: 2017. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But we are going to be discussing the season finale of the New Orleans Saints. Um yeah, once again, we're 7-9, did not make the playoffs. But this is a much better 7-9 team than the quote-unquote 7-9 team of 2014, which is really 6-10. and 10. Tampa wanted to throw that game so they could get uh, Jameis Winston, the overall first overall pick of that draft. Uh, and it's definitely better than that 2015 team. This is a much more talented team than that. Uh, we're going to discuss the Atlanta Falcons game, uh, specifically the uh, what went wrong in the first half, what, what went right in the second half. Is the second seed the most important seed? And also, um, yeah, I guess we could talk about Sean Payton a little bit um, and the uh, – the rumors, I, I, there were some stories I want to talk about today and uh, some very upset journalists that they were made a fool of again. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and introduce uh, Sean Williams, who loves to talk, start conversations just as I'm telling him. Okay, I'm going live now. I'm going live now. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. And then he stops singing, buy you something. And then takes a little drink. And... How are you doing tonight, Sean?
1: Doing fantastic, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good.
2: I'm doing good.
1: Santa was good to me. I want to show off my cup. This is uh, courtesy of Bayou Dippers, uh, a business here in West Monroe, Louisiana. If you'll notice, this is a Yeti cup that has the fleur-de-lis imposed on it. Uh, And and, I set it in the fridge last (sighs) night. And it was uh, an ice block this morning. Of course, uh, how... I I had to apply alcohol just to unfreeze the ice. If you understand? Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, that, ex- that explains that explains our show. And <laughs> I, I assume that I assume they're cutting you a check because I... I don't see any of this money from this sponsorship you just gave.
1: No, actually, um, truth be told, these guys. Uh, this is uh, some very, very, very close friends of ours. And uh, it kind of ties in because next Tuesday uh, when you guys go live, I will not be, uh, I will not be present. I will be out in the middle of the Gulf of uh, Gulf of Mexico, Cozumel. Thanks to Jennifer and Mark Allbritton uh, of Bayou Dippers. Uh, they, uh, I guess as a birthday present to me, which, uh, January the 8th, which will be Sunday.
0: We have to play this. We have to play this.
1: I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Uh, they they have, uh, they have gifted our family with a, uh, a five day cruise to Cozumel and we're going to, uh. We're looking forward to it. We're gonna have a really good time and in my absence, uh, I think it's worth noting that
0: Oh, we have the we got, here comes a big send off.
1: I think it's worth noting
2: that uh my understanding,
1: uh, for the okay he He's dancing. I,
0: I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> I, got, I got my uh, iPad, my other hand, so I can't do it right. You need to go find Isaac and do this. Uh, All right, go ahead.
1: Go ahead. I, I think My daughter noting, is
0: killing herself laughing right now.
1: I think it worth noting that um, next Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, uh, the Under the Dome podcast for the first time ever it will not. Okay. Be, I keep hearing the music.
0: That's it. No, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> uh, it will not Any... include Yours
1: Truly. It will be a family affair, which is a whole
0: different '70s sitcom. Um, yes. Yeah. Actually, early late if, late '60s, but that's okay. Mr. Alan Ulrich and his
1: son. They will be, uh, they will be doing the show together, um, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do. But uh, at any rate, on with tonight. Uh, we have a very special guest tonight, Mr. Uh, Tyler Raymond, who is a freelance sports journalist that covers the New Orleans Saints.
0: And wonders what the <laughs> hell he got involved in right now. Which the team?
1: Uh, he is from uh, Central New York, which that's going to be something he's going to have to explain. He's 19 years old and uh, he's currently in college. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm proud to introduce to you, Mr. Tyler Raymond.
3: Well, thank you, How Sean. How are you doing
1: tonight, Tyler?
3: I'm good. I'm really well, and I appreciate you know everything you just said. And about the you know me living in Central New York, it's a funny story. I grew up you know, uh, following hometown players. And one that really touched my family's heart was Wolf Smith. You know, he wasn't too far away from where I live, so we followed his career. You know, it's unfortunate what happened to him. But, um, yeah, all the way through college and up to the Saints, you know, my father and I, we figured, you know, why not follow this guy? And he was a phenomenal player. And ever since, you know, I've been a Saints fan. And I, I love being one. That's
1: awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, good deal. Good deal. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay. Well, well, you know,
1: we we um we had our season finale in the uh, soon to be destructed uh, Georgia Dome. Georgia <laughs> Dome. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna call it Megatron's butthole, but I realized that
0: it's not <laughs> no, not that's a, that's that's the new stadium. That's the new stadium. Just remember when yeah, they say I, the M. I, I, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was in the re- MB.
1: I remembered, that, you know, it's uh, it's not the new, the old one; it's the new one. But anyway, yes. Um, Alan, what? Just out of curiosity, what was your take on the the grand finale of what will be the nineteen or excuse me, the twenty sixteen season?
0: It was the entire twenty sixteen season encapsulated in one game. You came out Absolutely. you came out uh, Atlanta was perfect in that first half Thirty-five, five possessions five touchdowns uh, the Saints make a play looks like a touchdown um, and uh, one of my good friends on uh, on my Facebook of uh, my Facebook group friends uh, posted a picture of Frank Gorschen's the Riddler with the question what in the NFL constitutes? A catch. That was clearly a touchdown. Uh, I was shocked that he is out of bounds completely and the ball comes out. Uh, and they say, well, okay, he lost control of the ball. Well, he wasn't even in the field to play anymore. Here he already got his two feet down. So, you know, once again, just like two or uh, three weeks ago against Tampa Bay where uh, Willie Sneed's uh, touchdown gets overturned. Apparently, as Ralph Marlborough said, a touchdown pass completion is you catch the ball, secure it, stand up, walk over to the official, and hand him the ball, and that constitutes a touchdown catch. So, I mean, so you had a blown blown call there, which is which is exactly what we saw in other games this year. Um, you had two three and outs uh, based on a couple of mistakes the Saints made again. You know, same thing we, we saw all season long. And um, we dug ourselves a hole with 35-13 at halftime. And we have yeah. to spend the second half of the season, the second half of this game, digging ourselves out of that hole. And you came so close. Yeah. Think about there was two passes. The first one, the touchdown that was ruled not a touchdown uh, to Fleener. But the second one, uh, Drew Brees throws an interception in the end zone. Um, but if he puts that ball on the outside shoulder between the sideline and Michael Thomas, Thomas catches it right here. And that poor LSU defensive back who was the pigeon the entire second half. I yeah. mean, they went after Jalen Collins relentlessly. Every pass was against Jalen Collins, which I loved to death. Because I'm so sick of hearing the LSU fans going, you think they're LSU players? That's why they're not even good. They don't think they're LSU players. You know, it's like I don't give a rat's ass where you come from as long as you're a good player. I mean, I follow UL players in college, in you know, in the pros, and you know, I don't sit there and whine. The Saints don't rest enough UL players. I don't do that. I mean, you know, here's your pacifier. I'm tired of it. I don't want to hear about LSU players. Um, but anyway, you know, I if he but what I was saying before, if he puts the ball between the sideline and you know Thomas, Thomas snatches it right the air. Boom! That's a touchdown. We lost by seven. We, we lost by. We, we the final score was seven points short, but um, we could have had the game tied. That's what yeah. we're trying to say. So you know, it, again, big difference—the story of the 2016 yeah. Saints. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I really saw the whole game. Um, it was very frustrating and embarrassing. That first half, and in the second half, you have this furious comeback all in the fourth quarter. And it, what he threw four touchdown passes. Mark Ingram blows through the line uh, for, to get his thousand yards. Um, you know, Atlanta. Atlanta's defense. I'll tell you this much: if Atlanta tries to play Aaron Rodgers with that defense, Aaron Rodgers is going to slice and dice that team, <laughs> which I will thoroughly enjoy. I would too. Um,
1: let me ask you, Tyler, um, hmm? is, is the number two seed Atlanta Falcons, are they really just that good? Or was this just uh, the Saints underachieving again?
3: When I look at it, it's a little bit of both. You figure obviously the Saints have gone through a lot, you know, from injuries and just rotations. And, but you, you look at Atlanta and their high-powered offense, and right now it's just really pushing them forward. Through uh, this playoffs, through the season, you figure you have Tavon Coleman, Devontae Freeman, you have Julio Jones, who's still been injured, but it still had a quite productive season. And you have Matt Ryan, you know, who's arguably having an MVP season. I just think it's a little bit of both. You know, obviously the Saints, they had a productive team this season. You know, obviously things didn't always fall their way, but I, it was just unfortunate. But it was a little bit of both, from my standpoint. Yeah.
0: I don't know if I don't know if either of y'all read uh Nick Underhill's report that uh the Falcons players were claiming they, they knew the Saints defensive calls uh going you know as they were on the field in that first half. And that's part of what made it so easy for them to slice up that secondary and slice up that defense. Um I don't know how accurate well, that is.
1: I I I I don't know how accurate that is either, uh Alan, but you know, I sit there and I watched this game this past Sunday, and it amazed me how how very much this game looked like the last Saints Falcons game. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, the last Saints Falcons game was an entirely different narrative because there were so many uh, injuries involved in in, in the uh, in the game, but in this game, uh, you know. I hate the Atlanta Falcons, and, and I'll readily, readily, and willingly admit that
3: most but, people do. Um, <laughs>
1: at the same time, they're a very good team. They're number the they are the number two seed in the NFC for a very good reason. Absolutely, there's a,
0: there's, there's a delivered. lot of similarities. They did not.
1: I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: I was to say there's a lot of similarities between. The Falcons this year and the Saints 2011 team and yeah. to a certain extent the Saints 2009 team. The difference in the, this Falcons team and the Saints 2009 team is defensive takeaway, defensive uh, touchdowns. Yeah. We had nine that year. I don't think the Falcons have that many. I think maybe they have five, maybe four. If I am yeah. looking at the stat earlier trying to see. Uh, It's not updated yet, so I'm not sure how many they they had this year. But the big thing uh, they have going for them is they have a very diverse and high-powered offense, and that covers up a lot of defensive deficiencies, especially the Falcons' inability to stop the run, um, which will prove troublesome when they play a team like the Cowboys.
2: Yeah.
0: what the Falcons are doing is just like what the Saints did in 2011. Uh, they're going to come at you and run the score up on you, and you're to have to play catch-up. And they are going to put up their points. And, I, you know, I think, I think that's – if they run into a team that can control that offense or slow that offense down enough that will force Matt Ryan to throw interceptions or force turnovers – and you control the time of possession because that's what happened in the second half of the Saints Falcons game. We control time of possession. I think we had that ball, especially in the fourth quarter, I think we had that ball almost two to one in the fourth quarter. Um, well,
1: to be, tot- yeah, to be totally it, honest with you, Alan,
0: I mm-hmm. don't think
1: that the second half really, or um, with putting it maybe. I don't think the second half mattered that much to the Falcons. They had the matter well in hand. Um, I don't think that they really put that much of a priority on shutting down the Saints, blah, 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 whatever you want to call it. Um, They had sealed the deal for the most part. Uh, And that being said, I think that we should have probably – before they realized what was going on, we should have come back and maybe made made the game a lot more competitive than it was.
0: Well, you know, I can see that, and I don't have any problem agreeing with that um, because I, I think the Falcons did dial it back, especially in the fourth quarter. But there were periods where in that in that second half where the Falcons. Um, tried to get something going to give their defense a break, and they couldn't get anything going. Um, we got a couple of big stops. Um, you know, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle because it was, what, 30, 38 to 19 for a while in the yeah. third quarter. Yeah, I think they didn't score a point in the third quarter of the Saints. And I think the Falcons only scored one field goal. So, you know, it was – it. The fourth quarter was such a frantic, a frantic uh, event, especially because we had an onside kick. You know, we made it look a lot more respectable than it really was. So I can, I can see that. But
1: yeah, I, I think,
0: uh, I think that
1: probably <clears throat> it looks a lot more respectable than it actually was. Uh, make no mistake about it, the Atlanta Falcons really. Um, Forgive my terminology. Uh, Atlanta whipped our ass, and there's no two ways about it. Um, this number two. Season, oh no, I'm not. I'm
0: not. Sugar, I'm not sugarcoating the loss at all. Not at all. I mean, everything is, they did well, we do badly on defense. And that exactly. Was, that, that's that's and, and what that, hurt. That was exactly what I was about to bring up. You you made that
1: point during the game Sunday in uh, in one of our chat groups. Uh, everything that they do well is something that we do poorly on
0: defense. Mm. We can't rush the passer, uh, and they, they have a good offensive line to throw the ball. That, you know, Ryan, if you give Matt Ryan any time, he's going to slice you up. On secondary right now, with uh, you're playing basically a rookie in Von Bell. Uh, you know, uh, what you call it, uh, Roman Harper can't run anymore, so he's. uh yeah. he, you got him playing safety, so he really can't cover. Then you got two cornerbacks who really you pulled off the streets, Sterling Moore and BW Webb. They're gonna they're to keep everything in front of them. Well, that's what Atlanta wants yeah. to do. So Atlanta's just gonna attack, 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 Fair. keep it in front of you. Then eventually they're just gonna beat you in the red zone because they got the height with Julio Jones and uh, Sununu. Yeah. and and then. Our linebackers, the only way we can get any kind of pressure is we have to blitz. Well, they're just going to call draws or off-tackle plays and exploit the lack of speed we have on the outside of linebackers, outside of Eleving, and they just run to the opposite side of LOB. So, I mean, yeah, that's that. That's just the reality of the game. That was a reality in the first game, too. Um, you would have to get is. better – you have to have corners. When you play in Atlanta, you have to have a corners that can match up man-to-man. They don't have to match up physically, but they have to be able to match up speed-wise with their receivers. You have to have, be able to generate a pass rush with four guys occasionally blitzing, but you can get four guys who can beat up that offensive line and knock Matt Ryan down or take away his passing lanes or get him moving. Um, that, you know, That's how you slow Atlanta down. Um, you know, I was looking yeah, up, I was thinking, uh, Atlanta and Tyler, I promise I'm gonna <laughs> let you talk in a minute. <laughs> no, you're good. I can see, I can see you're getting anxious there, but I was yeah. looking up just out of curiosity Atlanta had the number one seed overall back in 2010. Uh, yeah, we had the we had that's why we didn't win a division, we lost the uh, the first game against the Falcons. Uh, that was the one where, um, uh, what you call it, uh, Garrett Hartley missed the uh, field goal and the game went to overtime and, uh, Atlantic field goal to win the game. And that was really the difference in that season. We went 11 and five and the Falcons went 13 and three and won the division. Um, but the Falcons had number one overall seed that year. And, um, they lost to the, to the Green Bay Packers in the divisional round 48, 21. Um, you know, with them being the second seed, as impressive as they look, they don't look unbeatable. No, and they have to they have to match up against somebody who can throw the ball really well, and that's Aaron Rodgers, and can run the football, which is not the Packers. The Cowboys run the ball very well, so those are two teams that, if I'm the Falcons, I don't want to have to face. Um, yeah. You know that, especially um, uh, the the Dallas Cowboys. Alan,
1: if you, if you think about it, that's the two opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of the bracket that's left with the uh, the playoff mm-hmm. system. You got the Cowboys up here, and you got the the Packers down here. So,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, it, and the Cowboys
0: the, yeah. and the Cowboys don't want to face the Giants again. Yeah. for whatever reason the Giants match up very well with the Cowboys. And they beat them twice. It's hard it's hard to argue 2 and o. Oh. Right. And it's a it's a matchup problem they have. So Yeah. You know, it's going to be interesting playoffs. I am I'm, I'm looking forward to the playoffs um and see how this all shakes out. I'm not going to make a secret I'm pulling for Green Bay uh to go all the way through there. Giants would be my second team, but I really want Green Bay to go. I think New England wants the Giants out of there because I don't think New England wants to see the Giants again in the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
3: God, you know, it's unfortunate, it, too. Um, look at it. You look at the Saints in general. You see you know how such a high-powered offense they've had, and you just look at the little things that have slowly deteriorated this team throughout the season. And I think personally, I thought this playoffs, you know, through the NFC wise, you have teams that are very beatable. It's just unfortunate mm-hmm. from our perspective, the Saints fans perspective of that. You coming into the season, you had such a high powered offense, even when it struggled, you have phenomenal, you know, receivers. You have the running game, which is steadily becoming solid. You had all these pieces that you could have used to make a run of the playoffs, but you just look at the special teams the defense, all the injuries, you know, through the first quarter of the season, all the injuries yeah. that just took a blow to this team. It was just unfortunate. There, I thought they could have at least made, you know, a run in the playoffs if they, you know, got the record better.
0: Well, there's three there's three things they need to fix on the on the defense. There's three things that are that will make this team advance that other team that that they couldn't do this year um the first is third down conversion you have yeah. to get off the field on third down and the saints did a horrible yeah. job getting off the field third down uh you know and that's tied into your pass rush you know you you um if you can't rush the passer you have a hard time getting off the field on third down if your cornerbacks are not aggressive enough you have a hard time getting off the field on third down and that leaves the second thing the second thing And this is something the Saints uh, did very well in 2009, did not do as well in 2011, and that's why the team won a Super Bowl, whereas the 2011 team lost in the divisional round to the 49ers. Defensive touchdowns. In 2009, as I mentioned before, uh, the the Saints got nine defensive touchdowns. Alabama has 11 defensive touchdowns, and they're undefeated if you can get anywhere from seven, five to seven defensive touchdowns out of this defense, whether it's interceptions, fumble recoveries, whatever, scoop and yeah. score, you know, you have this defense, this offense, I should say, with a defense that can do that, will win 13 games. Easy. Yeah. easy, Sure. Sure. Um, you long. know, yeah. and the third thing, and this is tied in with the other two, is your giveaway-takeaway ratio. You have to be very high on the plus side of the giveaway-takeaway because that's more opportunities for your offense to get the ball. We can live with special teams and mistakes, believe it or not. You can live with a defense that gives up a ton of yardage. If you get those other three things, you get off the field on third down, or force that team to settle for field goals instead of touchdowns. You get defensive touchdowns and you're always on the plus side on the giveaway takeaway ratio. If you yeah. get those three things knocked out, this defense it could still be ranked 25 or or 20 or whatever, but it's doing the important things that yeah. help you win.
1: Absolutely.
0: And yeah. and and that you need to get players who do that. The reason why the Saints yeah. got Jarius Byrd and let Malcolm Jenkins go is because they thought Bird was going to give them those defensive touchdowns and get that giveaway-takeaway ratio up higher, and he ended up not doing <coughs> that. Nope. Yeah, well, I mean, I was- <laughs> really, he just hasn't done it. So, I mean, <laughs> so it's a huge mistake, and the fans get mad. You know, because you wasted money on a guy, but you brought him in to do what Darren Sharper had done. Exactly. And, and he hasn't done you look it. You look, no, and, but you look at him in Buffalo, and that's exactly what he did in Buffalo. So you can't figure out why he isn't doing sure. it here, but he did it in Buffalo. So.
3: You take a look, even, uh, let's, for example, you take a look at the Tampa Bay game that we just had a few weeks ago. It just seemed like, you know, I was watching with my father and just it got to points where it was like 3rd and 10, 3rd and 15, you know, these 30-long situations, and they just kept on converting. It doesn't matter how you're forcing them to get off the field. You could have consistent pressure. You could have t- cornerbacks that will just not let a ball come their way. It just something needs to be done. And there are multiple ways the Saints could address this to improve their team. It just depends on who they're facing yeah. and what needs to be done To to get them off the field, it's simple. Really, the
0: the ironic thing was, on third and five or less, we were fantastic. We were doing exactly what you're supposed to do. It was when you would think, okay, we're set up perfectly. It's third and fifteen. It's third and nineteen. We just got a sack or they got a penalty. Third and twenty-five, and they're converting it, and just pulling your hair out, going, "What the hell." Exactly. Heart attack Saints. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and just think if you get, say, on a third and 25, you force a turnover. Yeah. That's better than a punt. You know, that's better than a stop. And that is the thing that's missing. And Sean Payton has been trying to find that since Darren Sharper retired. He's been trying to find players like that to do that again. And that's why we keep having these free agent busts because he's looking at stats, what you did. Okay. This guy did this here. This guy did this here. We need to get him in here. We need to get him in here. And it's not working, you know, and that's why, uh, Rob Ryan was brought in because he had an aggressive defense and he thought that aggressive defense would force turnovers because he's trying to manufacture this and it's not happening. And, um, you know, it, it, it's it's maddening because the fans keep asking when are they gonna fix the defense? And you're trying to fix it by getting players who you think are going to be able to force turnovers and it just isn't happening for whatever reason.
3: And you look at even players that have come in, you know, for example this off season, you look at Nick Fairley that came in and mm-hmm. that pressure that he's brought It's just not enough. You're going to need a lot of talented people, you know, either through the draft or through free agency that will be able to come in uh, regardless of stats and either, again, make that pressure or force turnovers. And it gives more opportunities for your all-of-fame quarterback to march down the field and score more points and why didn't that lead. It's pretty simple. It just needs to be done.
0: Look at who Atlanta drafted in the first round of the 2015 draft. They drafted Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley stunk his yeah. rookie year. Of course, yeah. they had him playing out of position. They had him playing defensive end. <laughs> they moved him back to linebacker. 14 and a half sacks. Yeah. Imagine yeah. what this defense would be like with, with, a guy, yeah, with a guy who could do 14 and a half sacks. How much better help. our defense would be? There, it would be tremendous.
1: I, I think it's very much worth noting that despite the 7-9 and nine record, uh, which, um, <laughs> uh, it tongue in cheek, it it um, we did the three feet, the '79 season. We, uh,
2: yeah,
1: I told someone the other day, absolutely tongue in cheek. I, I love my team, and and anyone that knows me knows that. Uh, but yeah. at the same time to suck on a consistent level to get a 7-9 season for three seasons in a row takes uh planning. Um but anyway. it's, <laughs> uh, you know,
0: it, it's really you know, three different teams at the end of so. the day.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's uh, that's something that people uh conveniently overlook. And at the same time, I think it's very much worth noting that this 2016 team has done something that only one other team, the 2013 Denver Broncos, was capable of doing, and that we had a quarterback to pass for over 5,000 yards. We had two receivers that had over 1,000 yards receiving, and we had a running back that managed to eclipse the 1,000 yard mark and I think that the, hmm. that if you're gonna do this uh, this 2016 Saints team any justice whatsoever I think that you you very much need to acknowledge that
3: yeah it goes to show how much really needs to happen for it's you know a prolific offense like that it's to not make the postseason You figure just – regardless, whether it be the defense not showing up, not creating enough pressure, turnovers, or you figure the special teams, you know, from uh, kicks being blocked and everything, it just goes to show you what this team is capable of. It's just not all the pieces are together to make that full puzzle that can make the postseason. Absolutely.
1: I I think that um, while you have to acknowledge the accomplishments – of yeah. this team, at the same time, you have to, in the same breath, basically, you have to acknowledge that there were, there were shortcomings. This team absolutely, absolutely. earned that seven and nine mark.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, they could have the been a lot worse.
1: Team, yeah, yeah it, it very much could have been, could have been that much worse. But at the same time as Alan alluded to, I believe alluded to earlier, this 7-9 team is so much better, in my opinion, is so no. much better than last year's 9 The team the year before, that 7-9 team, I think that though the record doesn't um, – though the one-loss record doesn't show that, which I, I fully um, I fully acknowledge that the only thing that determines whether you're successful or not in at this level is won and lost. Yeah. Um, I I fully admit that, but at the same time, this team is so much better than the last two seven and nine teams.
3: Yep. Yeah. And there are a lot of reasons. You could show it, if you want me to quickly add, you have Cameron Jordan, who okay, his numbers didn't really show it, but he's been better at becoming more efficient, you know, at game pressure. You look at the injuries again, how the cornerbacks throughout depth, you know, throughout the depth of the cornerbacks we've had, they've still done pretty decent handling players. You look at Sterling Moore, for example, he's done pretty well. And you look at the offense, yeah. the expectations that were given, you know, that we thought they were going to do. Come to the start of the season, they did better as well. You know, it's unfortunate that the win loss record's that way, but I agree with you full heartedly that this was a better team. Absolutely.
0: Well, you know, it goes back to the three things I talked about, and um, the things we, especially the things we mentioned on third down conversion, when the defense cannot get off the field in third down. Yeah. yeah. That's that's that that makes it so much harder for you to win games because it limits the amount of possessions you can get. It means that every possession the offense gets, they have to score on because they don't know when they'll get the ball again. And Mm -hmm. when you have a game like you had two in a row, actually, against Detroit and Tampa, where the offense isn't playing well enough, you know, you that's the difference in being 9-7 and 7-9. When you have a game like this Atlanta game or the Carolina game, the second one, where the Saints do nothing offensively for three quarters, essentially, scoring-wise, uh, and then in the fourth quarter suddenly turn it on or yep. start moving the ball or start scoring, then you run out of time.
2: Exactly. Because
0: yep. the, it, it becomes to the point where – the it Carolina seems like game, every
1: game this year that yeah. that we were within striking uh-huh. distance of uh okay, here come the Saints and they're blah 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 Well, we already have only one time out left and you know
3: Yeah.
0: Or you know, or the defense it now they need to get that last stop. It's third and ten or longer. We have to get the stop. Oh god, we just gave up that a third down, first down pass to yeah. Kelvin Benjamin, you know, or, or God, we just gave up a conversion. You know, now we're out of time, you know. And and, and, it and shouldn't to be, come down to that.
1: To be totally honest with you, I think that expecting that defense to stand up and provide that stop is being completely unfair to that defense because they've they played that yeah. entire game and they've kept this team at bay. I well, mean, you yeah, look at these I teams understand that that have been absolute powerhouses the entire season. Uh, Tampa Bay, for example, to, a couple of weeks ago, we held them to 16 points when they were averaging what mm-hmm. 30, 40 points a game
3: around mm-hmm. there, yeah. And you look at the offense too. Um, let's say, for example, you put Drew Brees in his hands, the opportunity to get down there again, you know, to win the game or to tie it up. It's another thing, not only the defense, but the time management a management from the offense. We've had Absolutely. opportunities this season to go down there to score points, to not only widen our lead, our lead sure. but to get down there and finish the game, to get us that essential win, which is some parts where, you know, again, we haven't had the timeouts. We haven't had – so many more minutes that we've needed to win that game that's a big part of the team well
0: you, you know you can't wait to the fourth quarter to suddenly turn it on yeah. you know you have to you play consistent absolutely strong the whole game and there are going to be everyone's, every team has this every team has an offensive yeah. game where you know they're just not moving the ball very well they're not doing very much and suddenly they start to catch on fire and stuff late in the game but you know, with the defense as handicapped as ours has been, you know, the offense has to protect it a lot more, and it just yeah. has to do it. And that, again, that's why you're seven and nine and not nine and seven or yeah. ten and six or whatever. You know, then in, in the course of special teams, um, you've got, you have re- really no return guys. Yeah. Because. Nope. You know, I, I read somebody today the saying they were holding a breath every time Lutz kicked a fuel. Well, I felt confident about Lutz compared yeah, to yeah. Tommy Lewis standing back there waiting for a punt. I'm going, don't drop it, don't drop yeah. it, don't drop yeah, it. Yeah, don't, don't drop, drop
3: it. it or don't get yeah,
0: <laughs> Yeah, or, or don't fumble Absolutely. the ball when you try and run, you know. Uh, to, that's yeah. why you put Bird back there. You're putting Bird back there to, you know, because you know at least he's going to catch the ball. Yep. Yeah. He's not going to run with it. But you're really gonna get a fair catch and just catch it yeah. and not make a mistake. So sometimes yeah, it's better yeah.
3: It's just uh, fair catch it. You don't have to Well, that's
0: the that's the attitude. Right, right, the I game. mean, and this is yeah. a team that has had guys like Michael Lewis, like uh, Mel Darren Gray, Sprouls. like uh, oh my boy from um, from New Orleans played in Nebraska, and number 33. Um, oh God, I can't believe I, I forgot his name just now.
1: Um, John Bautista.
0: N- no, 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 no. We're going back to a good kick return guy. Played Nebraska, number thirty-three. Uh, Tyrone Hughes. Tyrone Hughes. Tyrone. <laughs> yeah, oh I mean, but you had it, it makes you, a huge difference. Was, yeah, you had a guy who was a threat back there, and you know, I have to admit, I was watching the USC game, the Rose Bowl, and believe me, I'm watching uh, that little kick return defensive back guy back there, just going, "Yeah, you look good in black and gold." Yeah, I could see <laughs> him coming. You know. Yeah. Just well, because. Let me uh, ask Just, just getting a guy back there who can who is a threat. Yeah.
1: Let me ask you guys something. When you look back on uh, down the road, when you look back on the 2016 season, what is the one thing? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe you call it a microcosm. What is the one thing that about the twenty sixteen season that will stand out or define the season more to you than anything else?
3: Would you like to go first, Alan, or would you like me to? Go ahead
0: and do yours because I got a couple in mind. But um...
3: okay, okay. <laughs> um, I I would say there's. Uh, you look at a team that was hopeful. You had you look at a team that was very talented. It had promise, especially coming into the season. You you look at a team. They had the right pieces. It didn't quite have everything figured out, but it's just from game to game. It it didn't take very much, but you just look at little things, whether it be the special teams, the defense. My take from it is – it's hard to explain, but my take would be that you have these little things, just these little crumbles of what could have been, oh, you have a win uh, in Detroit. Oh, you have a win here, there. All it takes is a little bit, and the things just seem to crumble. It doesn't take much, and that's the unfortunate thing about it. But if, yeah. there was a lot of promise they had this season, well, that would be my take.
0: Mine, okay. would be, mine would be about, would be five plays, I think, uh, in five different games. Yep. You know, um, yep. they throw the flag, pick up the flag against the Raiders on fourth down uh, and yep. say, okay, the ball was uncatchable. That's a win. Uh, Giants, Giants gain, even with the blocked uh, the blocked field goal. On what was it? Third down, I think it was the pass that went to uh, Victor Cruz. Yep, yep.
3: that
0: ball gets knocked. That? that ball gets knocked down. Saints' ball. They have a chance to go down the field and kick a field goal and win that game. Um, Kansas City, you know, uh, Mark Ingram's driving. He fumbles the ball, they punch the ball out. That's a turnover uh took away points. That's the difference in that ball game um so you know it, it's it's one play each game from each game yeah you know? Denver the block the yeah, block is gold you know and mm-hmm. blocked extra point you know if there could uh, be
3: some mistakes from that
0: yeah, yeah, I mean clearly the uh I think they should have called leverage, but I, I'm going to go to my grave saying that I still bitch <laughs> about a Jerry. I, I still bitch about a Jerry Rice touchdown pass in 1989, and it still pisses me <laughs> off thinking about it. So you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I knew it, that was it's, it's it's one play in each game where you can sit there and say, okay, absolutely, this is the difference between winning and losing, and that's what this team is now. We're now one play away every time. And how do you get over that hump? Well, you get over that hump first yeah. off by getting better players. So you're not yeah. left in that position. Uh, and the second thing is you have to figure out how to create your own luck.
1: Absolutely. Where
0: you are now making that one play, which is the difference. And you think about the Washington Redskins game in 2009, and Meacham and strips the ball. That's Absolutely. the one play. Yeah. where Washington can sit there and look at and, you know, they get a touchdown off of an interception that we make. Yeah. You know, that's the difference between winning and losing in this league. Absolutely. Every team has that one play, and the winners make that play. Carolina didn't suddenly suck. No. Carolina not. was not getting the plays they got in 20, uh, 2015 this year for various reasons. And yeah. that's the difference in that. That's the difference in that season. You go absolutely. from fifteen and one to six and ten, just because you lost a cornerback. It's a lot more than that. It's a lot more it, than that. It, it
1: absolutely is. And I mean, for for my part, to answer the question that I, I posed to you guys, the 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 eternal and lasting impression of the twenty sixteen season for me in terms of the New Orleans Saints, is the fact that seven of nine losses... Okay, we went seven to nine. Seven of those nine losses were by six, six points, points or, less. or few. Six points or less, exactly. Uh, that's one less turnover. That's one less penalty in the red zone that that stops a draw... Uh, a touchdown drive. That's one field goal that should have been a touchdown. That's one less. I, I mean, I mean, you can do that ad nauseum. Um, the it's so close that it's scary. Um, people are so quick to jump on that bandwagon of let's fire Sean Payton. Let's bring in a new coach. Blah, 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 blah. Um, And I've made – I've been very vocal about my opinion on that. Um, to, to put it bluntly, Sean Payton leaving the New Orleans Saints is absolutely, without a doubt, the absolute worst-case scenario. Um, it is – completely hitting the reset button and starting over. Um, well, you Sean, got... Payton leaving, Sean Payton leaving the New Orleans Saints is ground zero. Mm-hmm. And you do not want that to happen with this team right now.
0: You've got a lot of people who think that a new coach, especially a defensive-minded coach, can just tweak this roster and make it a champion, okay? And I'm telling you right now, no new coach comes in to tweak a roster. A new coach Damn. comes in to blow up a roster, especially a roster that is 7-9. You can go look so at right. the, the you know, the Denver Broncos and sit there and say, well, look at the Broncos. They fired John Fox and replaced him with, um, with um, Gary Kubiak, and he takes them right back to the Super Bowl. They were a Super Bowl team already. They knew that going in. They, had, they That's what he was brought in to do. This team is not at a Super Bowl roster. You're not bringing in a guy to take over a Super Bowl roster right now. You're bringing in a guy that is going to have to add several pieces to this roster. It is close. And as long as you have Drew Brees, you will be close. But a, a new coach is going to come in with a totally different philosophy. Even if he somehow decides to keep um, uh, Pete Carmichael as offensive coordinator, he's still going to want to run his offense, and it's not going to be the hybrid West Coast-Air Correal offense. It's going to be another kind of offense. It may be a pure West Coast. It may be something that a receiver like Brandon Cooks doesn't belong in, and he'll trade Cooks, you know. It may be something that, um, you know, I don't know. He may want to go to a 34 defense, and it's something that um, Cameron Jordan doesn't belong in. And he trades Cameron Jordan. You're now starting to reset your defense, reset your offense. You're going to be changing a lot of players. And that's what happens with new coaches, especially coaches taking over losing right. teams.
3: And um, you look at you look at two for example. I think Sean, you and I were talking about this the other day. You let's see something happens to Sean Payton. You get rid of Sean Payton. You bring someone in. It doesn't matter who that person is. You don't have any chemistry at all. Now, from the offense to defense, you, you figure fifty-three players at least. You're going to have to learn everything they're good about what's what's good about them, what isn't good about them. You have to learn the chemistry and how to run that new team. It, it, it's easier said than done, but when you look at it, it's not, it's not easy to do. You figure all these different players is, that the Saints have now, they're all good for certain reasons. And we, if you bring someone in, they're not going to know this team like Sean Payton did. Even though he had his struggles, he knows this team front and back.
0: These are, these are Payton's guys. you know. So yeah, you're absolutely. going to – right. this coach is going to want their guys in there. And then you're assuming from the get-go that you picked the right guy. Suppose yeah. you did – you picked a uh, Hugh Jackson. Suppose you pick uh, a Chip Kelly kind of coach, you know, yeah. a guy who doesn't work in your system, a guy who doesn't work yeah. in the NFL.
3: Everything goes right
0: down. Blew, yeah, he blew the Eagles apart. You know, LeSean yeah. McCoy is playing well for Buffalo. Um, you start seeing all these players doing well for you in other cities and things, and you're still stuck. You know, drafting high in the in the in the draft because he's going to build his team until he blows it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then three years, you find out you made a mistake. Now you go start all over again, and this is what you have to square one. You have to keep that's right. Emphasizing people, you set yourself further and further back. It's just like taking having bad drafts. Why are the Saints seventy nine? Because they had too many bad drafts, and.
3: Especially the further rounds, Exactly.
0: You know? Yeah, and it sets your franchise back each time. So it's another season where you're gonna go seventy nine. That's another season you're gonna struggle in defense because you're you know, uh Roland Powell's and uh, Stanley John Baptiste. Yep, uh, yeah, you're, all these players uh stink. They they're not even in the league anymore. Vinny Censuri, nope. um you know, uh, Kyrie for it you know, drafting those players, you feel that impact. So now exactly. you have to start gra- grabbing free agents. And then you blow the free agents, so you have to cut them, and that's a lot of debt. And then you're in money. money, too. Yeah. So you, you, you're you handicapping yeah. yourself by the salary cap, Figure and you're handicapping yourself. yourself with bad drafting. And then the, the, the third thing that screwed the Saints is – the Saints are aggressive on draft day, so they trade up constantly.
3: Yeah. So now you now picks. Picks. picks people. Yes.
0: Yeah. You have fewer picks, so your margin of error, because every team blows draft picks. I don't care if it's the New England Patriots or the Cleveland Browns, every team misses on one or two draft picks. But if you have 13 draft picks and you miss on three of them, you still got 10 guys who contribute. But um, if you have five draft picks, and make picks, no mistake. And you missed three. Now only two guys are contributing. And it's a horrible yeah. draft.
1: May, make no mistake about it. You, When it comes to draft picks um, and the media perception of such draft picks, you're either hitting a home run or you're striking. You're falling on the ground. One or yeah. the other. Hey. Okay. Um, let me ask you guys uh, Tyler, I know you do quite a bit of work on the NFL <laughs> draft. Do you have any guys that you're um, you're eyeballing so far mm-hmm. as potential uh, draft picks, uh, free agent uh, acquisitions, such for for the Saints?
3: when you take a look at both, obviously the free agency and the draft, they're both crucial because you know again, like you said, if you don't hit on them, you're just putting yourself back. Uh, for the draft, wise, we'll start with the draft. I got a few people already. Mostly on the defensive side, because I think that's where we need the most work. I look at Ruben Foster, who I think is a real versatile athlete who could come in there. You look at players right now that aren't really having success with the Saints. You look at James Laurinaitis. We, him, you know, he, he was just not fast enough. He was old. You know, we got rid of him. Look at Stefan yeah. Anthony, linebacker. And it's unfortunate to say, but he's just not kind of putting two and two together. If I if these people were available, I'd be pretty happy with. I, I said, Ruben Foster. As far as the edge goes, obviously we need a compliment to Cameron Jordan. You know, someone that could be good buddies with someone that could get that force that pressure that would force opposing quarterbacks like in the division, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, then them to be worried about. I have Derek Barnett. He's a defensive end. Uh, he's projected right now to be somewhere in the first round. Hopefully, the Saints will be, be able to pick him at that time. But for cornerback goes, I look at someone who's talented in many ways. I, I look at Desmond Kane out of Iowa. He's a really good cornerback. I think I was okay. talking to you about Deshaun. He's not only good at coverage skills, but he's good at run support. And, you know, obviously when the yeah. Saints find someone who's great, not only in one way, but can help contribute the team to the team in several other factors, you bring in players that just help the mentality of each and every aspect of this team, and that really helps. And as far as free agency goes, I'm looking at mostly depending on who they take. I'm looking at linebackers from um, – oh, what's his name? Jamie Collins, a linebacker yeah. from Cleveland, you know, from New England. You look at Dante, uh, Dante Hightower. The pieces yeah. are there for the free agency in the draft, most definitely. The Saints just need to know what they need to get addressed and how it needs to be done. I think we have the we have the money we have the picks needed to get it done. It's just a matter of fact of what gets done and who gets brought in. what yeah. those are some names for me though.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Alan. Well, I think oh, uh, well, I was going to say one of the one of the good things you have going into this year is as opposed to Rob Ryan, you've got Dennis Allen in there, so you've got a pretty. Yep good idea what you're going to do defensively you're not going to yeah. try and change from a everything a, a, yeah 34 hybrid scheme that ryan was running uh, to uh you know an, a totally new de- defense you're going to run a pure 43 which is what alan's been doing and you're going to yeah. bring players in that fit a 43 defense so that's yeah. a, that's yeah. a good that's a good that's a good start and uh you know I think Allen's got a better idea of what he wants. He's not going to try and dig up his old players like Ryan did, uh, you know, pulling ex-Cowboys and things like that. You know, the, the Victor Butlers, the um, guys guys like that, you're not going to see those kind of players come in. Um, I think you're going to see very little turnover, unfortunately, for some people. You're going to see very little turnover in the staff. You might see uh, a new special teams coach, uh, they may Hopefully. still try and yeah. Well, you may still try and keep uh, <laughs> the two coaches you've got uh, working together. It's they seem to get better, but I, I like your I like your, I like your draft picks a lot, uh, especially Derek Barnett. I think that'd be a great pick. He's projected right now as the 16th best player. The Saints are picking 11. Yep, I saw that. Um, Assuming he doesn't blow up the combine or his pro day, he should be available at 11. And Hopefully. It would, not, it would not be a reach. It all depends on how it goes, uh, if anybody makes any trades, uh, you how many offensive. Right... Have...
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, you,
3: you, you look at right now, too, we have these people that we thought, oh, who's that guy that we brought in um, from Cleveland uh, that was currently uh, rushing the edge right now? Oh, Kruger? Robert, yeah, Kruger. You oh, Broker, Kruger who yeah. hasn't who hasn't done well enough to meet expectations. You look oh. at Hikaha, who you know who got injured, and you has know, had a history of injuries, and we don't know if he'll be just able to plug in there. That's what I'm saying, though. Yeah. We need some pieces to come in well, and help if you, us for if sure. You were to get a,
0: if you were to get a Barnett and then you re-sign Farrelly, you've got a great yeah. front four. Absolutely. Uh, you just revealed Tyler I Davidson that, played – Go ahead.
1: I think the point that you made earlier today, Alan, um, on one of our chat groups, um, if we maintain fairly, then we draft a defensive end on the first round. That gives us a front four of four first round draft picks for the first time ever in this franchise's history.
0: Yep.
3: It'd definitely be something to see.
0: Oh, it absolutely does. And if you can rush four and drop seven in the coverage, that eliminates your third down and, and ten conversions. Yeah. You can do a lot more. You can play more cover mm-hmm. too. You can do those kind of things. Um my wish list, I guess. I don't have I don't have players in mind. I want to see the Saints go after more Robertsons and Fairleys and stay away yeah. more from the uh the birds and uh, you know. Some of the over over the hill players, some people are joking that oh Daryl Reeves might be available that 'll be who the saint took away no. from, and offer a big contract because that's the uh, that 's been the tradition, but no nope. you, know, you don't don 't do that but uh seriously you just go after the bargain basement guys, go after the guys who are young have been productive young and they 're on the cusp of becoming really good players, and you can get something out of it i mean. Go all the way back to Joe Horn. No one knew who the hell Joe Horn was when he was signed. And here he comes, becomes arguably one of the best receivers in Saints history. Um, he was probably one of the best free agent signings until Drew Brees. So, I mean, Absolutely. that's the kind of stuff you – that's the kind of players you need to bring in. Young guys who are ready to step up. Um, but, yeah, my wish list are defensive end, um, you know – Middle linebacker, outside linebacker, yeah. uh,
3: someone. Yeah.
0: A, Let me ask you guys this:
1: um, in Absolutely, terms of the Alan. entire body of work over the over the the entire course of the 2016 season,
2: mm-hmm.
1: what would be the biggest accomplishment you think this guy, this roster, made in terms of the 2016
3: season? Are you talking offense or defense or both? But um, I think for me personally, I'll say one for each. The ability to bring in someone like Nick Fairley and to get that inside pressure, you know, from the defensive tackle. You look at a year ago, we had John Jenkins who just simply wasn't cutting it. You go from him to the uh, acquisition of Nick Fairley, and then you bring in finally Sheldon Rankins, you know, who was hurt and now he's finally making plays. I think that's really helpful because you don't always have to rely so much and if you get someone on the other side, as long as you get some sort of pressure. And for offense, I would say the production of Michael Thomas. You look at a second round oh draft God, pick. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and oh his separations yeah. on his roots, his ability to jump and practically catch any catch. I think I read somewhere out of the 96, out of the 96. Uh, passes that were thrown his way he caught 92 of them which was phenomenal you know he he broke records yeah. in receptions yards touchdowns it seems like every other week we go through these photos of the saints game it just you see all the time michael thomas making this highlight real catch and it's just he's yeah. been phenomenal and he's been so humble about it too he's yeah. been he's so young and he's been so productive for this offense for those of my two <laughs>
0: Yeah, Absolutely. and you would, and I would, I would, I definitely agree with both of them because imagine how bad this defense would have been if Had fairly not been here. We were relying on John Jenkins, yeah, and oh with, my gosh. with Rankins. Lord help us with Rankins out eight weeks with a broken leg. Imagine what that defensive yeah. line would have been like. It would have been like twenty fifteen all yeah. over again. Uh, so yeah, fairly and then Michael Absolutely. Thomas. I mean you that's what drove me crazy about the way people were reacting to Thomas in the Denver game where he makes those two critical fumbles. I'm like, but that just, yeah, shows, rookie. You. It happens. Yeah, that just shows you the expectations that he brought now because he was yeah, playing yeah. better Phenomenal. than Marcus Colston played in 2006. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he was just that great and, that we forgot he was a rookie who makes rookie mistakes. Yeah. And he, and I, I, the most polished I, believe out
1: there. I believe that was solidified with the the way that his season ended in Atlanta the other day when he broke both of Colston's marks in yep. terms of yep. receptions and yards for receiving as well. He's an
0: unbelie- unbelievably talented player. Unbelievable. I know.
3: I'm so glad we, uh, we acquired him. Oh,
0: yes. And then if I were to say a special teams guy, I know – we don't talk. About, I hate kickers. I don't talk about kickers, but I've got to <laughs> give it to you know. I got to give it to Lutz uh, because yeah, he's improved you know, too. Uh, Could, the kid never missed. Team, he never missed uh, the entire month of December. He set a he set a Saints rookie record. Yeah, Morton Anderson did do that. Yeah. Considering
1: where this team was in uh, the 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 Denver Broncos, Carolina Panthers week. Considering where this team was then and where this team wound up being, um, he wound up the season with a 13, yeah, 14, 15, uh, 15 kick streak. Uh, yeah. I don't remember yeah. exactly where. But um, wh- whoever this O'Day guy is, he made all the difference in the world. He got,
0: and he got the elevation his, up uh, and a whole bit. Yeah, I mean, he exactly.
3: He was doing great.
0: And, you know, the kid, you go all the way back to the Oakland Raiders game. He kicks a 61-yard field goal. Now, this is a rookie kicking a 61-yard field goal.
3: Pretty impressive. And he's got yeah. the leg.
0: He had the leg mm-hmm. for it, and it's going straight until the very end. It kind of drifts off a little bit. Yeah. You know, most kickers, I watched when I was at the Tampa Bay game in the Dome, and I watched uh, the Tampa Bay kicker kick.
2: Yeah, and Aguayo. I watched yeah.
0: Lutz kick in the, in the warm-ups. And Lutz just keeps going further and further back, and everything <laughs> is straight. Boom, heading for the goal post. Boom, going right to the goal. As the Tampa kicker is getting further and further back, his kicks are all starting to go off to the right. And we're talking 45 yards and out. Aguayo. The ball going off to the right. He's missing them. Yeah. And they gave up a second-round yeah. pick. They traded up. I to know. This it pick.
3: was so crazy. Now, it doesn't, Lutz was a great now, ad, ad position, he, though.
0: Right. It, it's not that this kid's not going to be any good. He'd probably be very good for Tampa. But the point is, he kicked like a rookie. Absolutely. Okay? Uh, Roberto Aguayo kicked like a rookie. Lutz was Absolutely. kicking like a pro, especially yeah. by yeah. the end of the season. Uh the block kicks didn't affect his psyche at all. Yeah. Miss kicks, anything like that. He kicked off. Did anyone even notice the fact how many touchbacks he got on kickoffs? Absolutely. He kicked. No. Yeah. Think about the Tampa game where he squibs it in yeah. Tampa. He squibs it. The guy hits the ball out on the one yard line. The Tampa's got to start the ball on the goal line. We're going to safety on the next play. That's a huge special teams play.
2: Absolutely. Okay? One of the
0: fields. Yeah. Exactly, and you know, hey, you're you asking a rookie kid to do this, so I, I have to give this kid a lot of credit. And for the first time in I don't know how long, Saints fans aren't going, oh, my God, we need to get a damn yeah. kicker in this place. We got another Shane Graham. We got another yeah. uh, uh, Martine Grabatica. You know, we got another uh, – oh, I can't even think of the half the damn kickers we used to have. Olinda yeah. Mare, uh, you know, just – We're not going through that this year. We're actually going to go to to an offseason with somebody who's fairly decent and could be a good player. He could be a good
3: player for us. I just can't believe how we found him in the first place. You know, he was backing up uh, Justin Tucker, if I remember correctly. You know, the kicker for Baltimore, who was phenomenal this season. And, you know, I just saw out of nowhere, I'm like, oh, who's Will Lutz? And then come to find out how through the season, you know, he's not doing too bad. And finally, it isn't going to be one of those seasons we have to take a look at. Jeez, who are we going to bring this time on this carousel? Yeah, who are we going to cut? And yeah, I remember one one off season. I think it was we had no kickers for one point, and it's just it's mm-hmm. been such a carousel for so long. I'm glad that's finally one issue we have
1: addressed for now. You know? and, uh, for Alan I'm, and I, it was like uh, Thursday was long snappers, Friday was uh... yeah. Kickers.
0: Exactly. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that he's never been able to get right. He finally got this right. He finally seems to have fixed it. And, you know, you got to give Baltimore credit. John Harbaugh was a special teams guru, he was a special teams coach. Uh, He knows, he knows kickers. And, Uh, absolutely, and it it seems to work out so far. You know, we'll see next year. We might be talking at this time next year, going, Oh my god, (laughs) he went in a total tank! I sat there and gave him all kinds of praise, and he stumped this year. But (laughs) I mean, I've got no, I mean, it appears to be fixed, and that's now a problem solved. You know, we still need to get the special team straightened out, but that seems to be a problem. Something we can put a A problem um, solved.
1: Okay, well, um. We hope you guys have enjoyed this show. Um, Tyler, uh, tell everyone how they can follow you, your work. Uh,
3: mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm currently on Twitter right now. Uh, if anyone wants to follow me, that's going to be my Twitter handle is at Raymond, R-E-Y-M-O-N-D, Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R, and M. And right now I'm currently uh, independently writing, uh, covering the New Orleans Saints, and my... My website you could uh, check out is going to be Raymond Tyler M at WordPress. Wait, Raymond Tyler M dot WordPress dot com.
0: Yep. Okay. And he's got a color rush jersey on. I'm very jealous. My Michael Thomas jersey isn't in yet. (laughs) I've got it it on order though. Um, Yeah, I'm going old school today. I'm wearing Archie Manning. I'm really going old school because I got it. You can see the Champion logo.
1: Yeah, nobody
0: has Champion anymore. Yeah.
1: I wondered what that was. I I could see the eight, but I was like eighty who? Um,
0: No, I'm really really looking
1: forward to uh, to Friday or Saturday, whichever way it works out. Um, I get to meet the illustrious, the professor, uh, the guru, Mister Ulrich, uh, for the first time ever. Um, I'm looking
0: poor guy. He has low expectations.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Tyler, is there any way that uh, these guys could follow you or your work?
0: Uh, Where well, I that question,
1: what you just told us.
3: Oh. yeah. Um, at RaymondTylerM or most likely, I, I generally post on Twitter uh, pretty often uh, at RaymondTylerM. Yeah, and I'm mm-hmm. more than happy to talk to any Saints fans that have any questions for me, and.
0: Other than that, yeah. Hey, one last right. thing before we get, one last thing before we go. You guys, I don't know if y'all know this, Morton Anderson made the finalists for the Hall of Fame.
3: Yep. I told Sean. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If if Anderson makes it to the Hall of Fame, he will be the second kicker, place kicker, pure place kicker to go to the NFL Hall of Fame behind Jan Sinnerwood. I think
3: he's great, worth it.
0: Yeah, the great Kansas City kicker. Absolutely he's worth it. That's that's a huge, huge honor. If Morton Anderson makes it to the Hall of Fame, um, that's that that that's unbelievable, given Absolutely. his position. I mean, you just the NFL Hall of Fame. It took him twenty something, almost forty years to recognize Ray Guy. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and he's the greatest punter who ever played. Uh, it, it's it'd be fitting though that Morton Anderson goes in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I really hope Jim represents. Yeah. Well, it's not quite like the Baseball Hall of Fame. You kind of go in as yourself. They just have pictures of you in your different uniforms, but uh, yeah, you go in <laughs> as yourself. You don't go in representing a team. But yeah, he will always be remembered as uh, yeah. the greatest Saints player, and he's actually the the Falcons all time scorer too. You know, and that's wow, that's amazing to think about. That really <laughs> is. Yeah, it's that's, been
3: phenomenal.
0: Congrats, that, that, Morton.
1: That's like good on one hand and evil on the other.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But, uh, well, well Sean, but, yeah, Tyler, really appreciate you coming on tonight. We're going to try and get you yeah. on again as we get closer to the draft. We're going to talk more about draft picks and, uh, you know, the combine in February, and we hope to get you after that, too, uh, to see who you thought did well, who you thought did poorly, and. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll start doing some mock drafts even, and, uh, and yeah. see who you like. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm Absolutely. terrible at them. I, I get a little handful of, of players. I like, <laughs> I'm terrible at picking players. I really am. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, thank you guys. Absolutely. I really appreciate, you know, having you guys having me on here. You know, I had a great time. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys again.
1: Well, Tyler, thank you very much for being part of our our program. And uh, on a personal note, and and this is kind of uh, just Tyler and me, uh, Grandpa would be very proud.
3: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that.
1: So, all
3: right. Have a good night, guys.
0: Thank you, Tyler.
1: Thank you, Tyler. Okay, now how do I do this?
0: (laughs) There you you go. the one that... You hit the one that's labeled X. Yep, hit the X. <laughs> X marks the spot. Okay, well we went over we went over time again because I got enthusiastic talking about the future and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> if you read my uh, my Facebook post uh, right after the game, I didn't even do a good bad, and ugly. I just went on a tirade um, because <laughs> well, it's well, okay. you I know, mean it's, I I it's I really want to get it a- the season. Yeah, I really want to get across that um the Saints are, are close, like we keep saying. Um yeah. that it's it's not this is not a three and thirteen team. This is not no. the uh, the end of the Moore era, the end of the uh Hazlitt era. You know, Moore went seventy-nine with with uh, Jim Everett right in ninety-five right before he quit in ninety-six. Yeah. Um but there's much more optimism about this team than it was that, that set 1995. I think, it, uh, I think it's team. worth
1: note. I think it's worth noting Alan that um, amid all the speculation as to the, the future of Sean Payton. Um, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, anticipation. There's a lot of people that are, ranting and raving and wanting Sean Payton to be gone but at this point in time I think that um, all things considered the very worst case scenario for the New Orleans Saints would be for Sean Payton to leave this team because I mean you look back on the, the season uh, losses were by six points or fewer that gives you hope that the it's it's close it's really really close and um for you to for you to hit the reset button is just that i mean you're going back and you're starting completely all over again and Mm -hmm. you're erasing everything that you've accomplished over the past couple of seasons
0: Look at the guys that. Who are the guys that are contributing to this team? Who are the guys that are the up and coming players? Um, it's not veteran free agents. It's it's uh, Michael Thomas, Will Lutz. Um, you know Cam Jordan had a career year. Uh, Sheldon Rankins. The ceiling looks very high on him. Um, Kenny Vaccaro. Um, it's it's guys that were drafted highly. It's guys that. Um, to want to, count? yeah. Well, Tim Hightower. Yeah, Tim Hightower. He is. He's doing what he's supposed to do with the team. But I'm just talking about as far as the the core of this team, the the new core that's being built. Okay, sure. the new okay. core is, that's being built is around young, talented players that we are that get lost when, as you talk about, you know, the failures. Okay. They forget that this core group that's being assembled are good players. We're not building a core out of old veterans that we're trying to squeeze one more season out of. Okay. Um, We're not using, we're not going and grabbing guys who had career years and trying to, you know, do something else with them. We are building this team with a good, solid foundation of good guys, too. You don't look at, like you said, Michael Thomas is humble. Uh, Cameron Jordan is a good spokesman for the team. Uh, Will Lutz is a very mature player who took responsibility, even when it wasn't really his fault on some of those blocks, He took responsibility. It was my fault for not getting the ball up high enough. It's my fault for missing that kick. I'm called to do it. I need to do it, you know. It, whereas before you had a player like Junior Gillette who you know running his mouth about how he's better than the other yeah. players, you know that kind of stuff. You know you don't have that with this team, and and that's that's a positive. Um, Absolutely. It, you know, Mike Dicker was at the end of his tenure had lunatics on his team, and it was the lunatics running the asylum. Um, you Absolutely. know, it just uh you don't you don't have that kind of stuff going on anymore um so that's why i think this team is is a lot closer than we think uh if we can get another great draft and have a good solid free agent class we can force some of those one or two plays that we talked about earlier and maybe make a run like atlanta did i mean cuz i guarantee you, know, you
1: i i think that um as i said earlier on one hand, you have the, quote, unquote, this team is closer than the record appears or the record proves it out to be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, I, I fully acknowledge that at this level, the only thing that you have to go on or the only thing that you're judged on is that record.
0: Yeah, you are what your um, record says you and, are.
1: And at the same time, this team is a much better 7 and 9 team than what what it bears out to be um if that makes any sense
0: yeah it does and you know it it's just you are you still are with your records as you are and and as long yeah. as you lose games and- winning winning teams make their own luck winning teams make those plays mm-hmm. that we We're talking about that difference between winning and losing, and right now we're not doing it, so we are a loser, you know. And that, and there's no escaping that.
1: Make no mistake about it, this team is every bit of a seven and nine team from the uh, the penalty plagued game in Kansas City, Mm -hmm. the special team snafus versus Denver versus Carolina versus the New York Giants. Um, yeah, this team earned. A seven and nine record. Make no mistake about that. Right, but And at the same time, a, as a diehard fan, um, I think that you have every reason under the sun to be optimistic as to the future of this team.
0: Yeah, we're not. There are games where we sit there and watch every week where the Saints just simply are not competitive. You know, and that's yeah. and that was the sign of Jim Morris' teams towards the end. That was a sign of Mike Dickus teams for those three years. It was a sign of uh, Jim Hazelt's teams in 2004 and 2005 yeah. where, you know, you, you just did not look competitive in too many games. Uh, you looked pathetic. Um, Absolutely. And that – you just don't – we can name two games really where we looked outclassed and both of them happened to be against Atlanta. Uh, the rest of the games, yeah. we look at it and we go, "Look, there's opportunities. We could have won that game if this doesn't happen." Yes. So even Detroit and Tampa, there's there's opportunities where we should have won that game, but it didn't happen. So, all right, we Absolutely. went oh, we went over long tonight. Uh, it's a season wrap up. Uh, we'll be back, like Sean said, before we start <laughs> love boat stuff. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about the playoffs what we like, what we didn't like. You know what like, we forgot what we to do, brother? Oh, what did we forget? We forgot you know, to we forgot to thank people?
1: Yes, we did. No, oh. We want to thank...
0: Uh, Run the ending credits.
1: <laughs> First and foremost, John Pinto for being our director of media relations. Uh, the effort that you put forth as opposed uh, to the, the credit that you get is... Man, I I can't begin. To... Thank you is not enough. Uh, John Pinto, you are the bomb, diggity. My my kid will understand that. Um, there you go.
0: <laughs> fan first productions. Uh, Got to thank those guys.
1: Fan, yeah, fan first productions. We are on iTunes. Blah 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 blah. Uh, Joel Smith, thank you so much for all the support that you give us on your uh your uh, Facebook Facebook groups. Yep. Um, And uh, one thing that I I, I think we're, we're way, 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 way remiss on mentioning uh, Miss Deb and Miss Michelle Williams. uh, Miss, excuse me, Miss Deb Ulrich and Miss
0: Deb. My wife wants nothing to do with this. My wife wants nothing to do with this. (laughs)
1: well she gets she gets credit baby uh thank thanks so much to our wives and our families for uh the whether they realize it or not the uh the sacrifices that they make to see to it that we uh we get to do what alan and i love to do so much and that's provide this show to everyone. Um
0: my wife would say being so married to, my them. wife would say being married to me is a sacrifice. You think this is bad? You only have to listen to me for an hour. Uh she has to listen to this 7 365 days a year. So you know absolutely. All right guys, thank you, y'all very much. You
1: have my heart, Miss Deb.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh thank y'all very much for watching, sticking with us. Like I said, we went way over time tonight. I appreciate it. Uh and Sean appreciates it, of course. Uh, Sean, have good have a good time in your cruise. I will see you right before you Thank leave. Um, and uh, the rest of you I'm guys, to that. rest of you guys, I will see you guys next Tuesday night, same bat time, same bat channel. Good night, everybody.